You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, animal advocate, writer, and human companion to Max A. Pooch, canine crusader for animals and the environment. Max and I thank you for joining us, and we dedicate this episode as we dedicate every episode to those amazing people who work to save the lives and or improve conditions of companion, domestic, or wild animals. Jenna Ball of Cary, North Carolina is our guest today. She's proof that no matter what our gifts are, we can use them to improve our world. Jenna has combined three of her greatest passions, writing, illustrating, and animal rights, to create Critterkin, a series of books and children's products aimed at teaching children and families the importance of being responsible caregivers for their pets. When we return from our break, we'll meet Jenna and learn what Critter Ken means and what the mission is. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership Plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and our guest today is Jenna Ball, writer, illustrator, and advocate for animal rights and creator of Critter Ken. Welcome, Jenna. Hi. Nice to meet you. Well, it's nice meeting you, and thanks for joining us. Well, I'm very happy to be here. Can you describe what Critter Ken means? I mean, I think I saw on your website that uh, the basic root words... Right. Well, Critter Ken is a mashup, basically, and so it's two words, Critter meaning animals and Ken meaning family. And that's basically the message and mission, very simply, is to help kids and their families learn that animals are family and part of our larger global family of creatures that need our care and concern. Well, I think that's great because so many families uh, will adopt a cat or dog or hamster or other pet and just treat it almost like a stuffed animal. And that's certainly not the case, is it? That's not the case, and that's, I think it's a big problem just in general with how we view our world. And even though we say animals are part of our family, we often don't realize that they have the same kind of emotional and physical needs that we have. And it, to me, it's a great way to teach kids, you know, to be respectful of life, all kinds of life, and the planet. 
Yeah, I saw that with our granddaughter when she got a hamster and, and my daughter, hopefully because of what I had taught her, taught my granddaughter the importance of taking care of that hamster and and it was a very, very much part of her daily chores to make sure that it, its cage was clean and, and everything. Right. The hamster yeah, lived. parents did that. <laughs> and the hamster lived to be a ripe old age of three years old and uh, it was very was tame. Was old and, for hamster? I didn't know <laughs> Well, uh, my daughter told me it is. I'm, I'm not a hamster expert, but she... <laughs> <laughs> she became one. But uh, the important thing, I think, is that Zoe is very sensitive. Now she has a dog, and she's very sensitive that, to its needs. And that kind of understanding of pets and nurturing, I, I think, only can start when uh, parents teach that to their kids. Yeah, I really believe that we protect what we love. And so an underlying message in Critican is that if we teach kids to love and respect all life, then they will grow up to be loving and respectful and responsible adults. But the only way, you know, from my perspective as a writer and illustrator, do that for kids is not to lecture them. You know, I mean, how many times did you sit in school and, you know, falling asleep because you were being lectured? But one of the goals of Critican is to use stories and really fun characters to get the kids involved and, and interested in animals and how they, too, can be part of their lives. So we always say education, but through entertainment. Speaking of stories and, and characters, who's Ricky Bobby and why is he important? Well, that's a great question. Um, Ricky Bobby is one of the eight characters. There are eight main characters in the first Critican series. And Ricky Bobby is based on an actual dog that I met through my friend Megan Bliss. She's a vet tech at my veterinary hospital. And she and I both work with the Humane Society of the United States. We volunteer to go you know, help with puppy mill bus and everything. And Ricky Bobby was one of those little, little dogs that had been overlooked and neglected in a puppy mill. And he had been so badly neglected that his back legs are paralyzed. So when they pulled him out of the puppy mill, he was very, very ill, and her vet took care of him, and she just fell in love with him. And so being her friend, she said, oh, you have to meet my new dog, and and she built him a cart, and the little guy gets around, he's only seven pounds, and he gets around like in a little scooter, you know, he's so fast. And I just thought that that story was so perfect, because this is the result his plight, if you will, is the result of people not being kind, not caring, not being respectful and understanding that all living things need care. The flip side of that is it only took one person caring to rescue him and, and get him into a new life in a loving home. So we use Ricky Bobby as what we call a project-based learning initiative. So we call it Be Kind. And we, we go into a school or we do a, a call on Skype with classrooms and we say, here's Ricky Bobby. And we read his story and we show his video so they actually get to meet him. And we say, you know, what do you think it means to be kind? And how can you be kind? Because to children, you know, they hear from their parents, be kind, be nice, don't hit your brother, you know, go to bed when your mom tells you to. But they don't really understand what it means to be kind until they see something very practical and hands-on. And then you say to them, okay, well, how can we be kind? So then you give them something to actually do, and all of a sudden, their eyes light up, and, and they get it. Oh, oh, I, me personally, one little person can make a difference in the life of another animal. And that is so empowering. You know, that's interesting. There's an organization here in Chicago called Safe Humane Chicago, mm -hmm. and it works both on the social welfare side and the animal welfare side. Okay. And uh, one of their programs is they work with college track high school seniors, and teach mm -hmm. them. Are you familiar with them? I haven't and, heard of them, no, but I'm... And what they do is they teach 
these kids to be teachers about how to be kind to animals, particularly to dogs. And then these college track high school seniors go into the inner city and they work with uh, middle school kids. And a lot of these kids have never seen anything except abuse to animals, you know, the fighting, the dog baiting and things. And, you know, that's another, I I think, version of what you're doing. Again, it's not lecturing, but it's... uh, Oh, it's hands-on experience, yeah. Exactly. stories. Stories are how we learn. I mean, as human beings, we learn by telling each other stories, and we we get rid of stereotypes and prejudice and fear by listening to one another, you know. If I understand you, I'm much less likely to be afraid of you. The eight dogs in the Critterkin pack each have an issue or a story to tell that's focused on one issue that's good for kids to learn about. So Ricky Bobby's about kindness, obviously. And the next book that's coming out called Lead With Your Heart is about a pit bull named Lance. And anybody who knows anything about pit bulls knows that they've kind of got a bad rap. And his story is that he's a lover, not a fighter. And he, <laughs> he, keeps, he keeps running into prejudice, you know, and how do they overcome that? And how do you teach people to, to love as opposed to be fearful of him? And so that's another great topic. And then eat the next dogs. Each of the dogs will have a book and a story about them, and they each have a, an issue that's, that's important, like bullying or senior dogs. One of the dogs is a senior dog. One of them is kind of an OCD dog. He can't stop digging. Another one's a grump. Uh, she just has a really <laughs> negative outlook on life. And you know, that, if you don't have a positive outlook, you're going to have a hard time in life, you know, and that's good for kids to learn. And I think that animals are, I mean, at least in my experience, are a great way to teach that. Kids are in the classroom. We see them much more easily able to express their own feelings when it's about an animal as opposed to about themselves personally. So I call that the black beauty effect. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're absolutely head on. I mean, uh, if animals uh, can help channel, they're, they're not really going to be critical of the kids. So, no. And uh, I see it with Max A. Pooch. I mean, I bring them in front of a group of kids and their eyes are centered. Their and, eyes, yeah. They, their yeah. hearts melt. Yeah, yeah. What a hey, great I, dog he is, too. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. We had Jeff Flock and the uh, North American Director of International Fund for Animal Welfare. I yeah, thought was a guest. And I'm looking at your website. I noticed that you're involved. You're uh, in a partnership with IFA. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, we just wanted to find a, a nonprofit partner that we could find a way to give back to. And we loved IFA's mission. And they were about to launch something called Cats, Dogs, and Us, which is the first time they've actually focused on domesticated animals. I don't know how much your your listeners know about IFA, but they're an international organization that focuses on um, endangered species like whales and rhinoceroses and tigers and everything. But they realized that there was a real need for education about cats and dogs and that cats and dogs are so much a part of our lives that it was a great way, just like with Critterkin, to reach kids and their families. So they launched this program in September of 2013, and we'd been talking to Nancy Barr, who is the Global Education Program Coordinator, and we said, well, you know, what do you think about including Critterkin in your Cats, Dogs, and Us program? And she said, well, that's a great, so, I mean, you got to know Nancy, she's wonderful. She's just a visionary thinker and, and willing to think outside the box. She says, well, what about doing a, something, you know, a Critterkin story about something we've done? It doesn't have to be a true story necessarily, but it'd be great if, you know, it could tie some way to IFA. So they started sending me stories about what they've been doing. And one really struck me, which was a story of dogs down in Mexico that were being abandoned at the garbage dump. And, you know, of course, it's a really sad story, but because of IFA and the Humane Society down there, they were able to turn that situation around. 
So I use that as the basis for my fictional story about a mom and a puppy who get abandoned at the dump and how loving people that you wouldn't expect to be caring and, and able to do anything. These are people that are homeless, but they help save these dogs. And so that was the first book that we did, and it launched with the Cats, Dogs, and Us program, and now a portion of all our proceeds goes to IFA. Well, that's great. That's great. Yeah. It's uh, really interesting how once you start doing things and meeting people in other groups that you can leverage and get a, a synergy uh, on your work going from national to international and good exposure. Yeah, about, well, you know this about, about Max, you know, his focus on recycling. I mean, what a great metaphor for what you're trying to convey to people, you know. <laughs> You know, pick up the trash, but you but people and dogs and everything. There's always hope. You can recycle, right? I right, love that. right. Yeah, and the, his message, of course, is that, or I say, the reason he's so interested in recycling is he's a throwaway dog, and That's he right. hates to see anything discarded. It should be recycled, right. like he was. Right. So. Yeah. We need to take a break right now, so our sponsors oh, okay. can share their great messages. And uh, when we return, we'll learn more about Meet the Mutts and uh, some of your other work and ideas and really inspirational things you're doing. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber from Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We want to hear from you. Listen in. We're on every Thursday, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time here on PetLifeRadio.com. We are here for you. We're trying to make life with your pets even better. I know that's hard to believe. It can it even be better than it is, and hopefully it's fantastic already. The goal here is to answer your questions, help you out with your problems, anything you really wanted to know, but maybe you're afraid to ask your veterinarian, or maybe it was just too expensive to go to your veterinarian just to ask a few simple things. So that's what you got me for here at uh, Pet Life Radio. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Call in. We'll see you here on Thursdays. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. Our guest 
is Jenna Ball, writer, illustrator, animal advocate, and creator of Critterkin. Jenna, can you tell us about Meet the Mutts, Poco a Poco, and the bios of the Critterkin pack? Sure. So as I said earlier, um, Poco Poco came out of the conversations with IFAW, and we thought of it sort of as a prequel. But one of the pups in that book, his name is Sprout, is actually a member of the Critterkin pack. And the Critterkin pack consists of eight dogs and their goofy leader, Ms. Janiah. And each of the dogs has a story to tell and uh, issue to tackle that, just like kids, you know, everybody's got something they're working on. And each of these dogs has something to share and, and teach. So the first book is Meet the Mutts. So you get to meet each of the dogs and learn a little bit about them. And they have this kind of crazy experience, let's call it, at the dog park at the end where, you know, that involves the police and, and hot dog fights and marshmallows flying and trash cans overturned. And they finally get it all figured out. And that's how the Critic Pack gets formed. Wow. And do you also do the illustrations for your books? I do, and um, thank you for asking because it's been this wonderful revelation for me. Um, My first degree is in advertising illustration, and I abandoned that career 35 years ago, literally, because I just couldn't, couldn't abide the industry. I wasn't making money, and I went into freelance journalism. And I just sort of didn't even think about it, but when I was coming up with stories for Meet the Mutts, I was sketching because that's how I think, you know, I think very usually. And my business partner said, what are you doing? And I, I kind of covered it up, you know. <laughs> and I said, well, I was just, you know. And he said, no, no, let me see that. And I said, it's just, I know it's terrible. He goes, no, I love that. Can you draw? And I said, well, yeah. And he said, he said, do more, do more, you know. And so it evolved from that, like sketching on a notepad, to him buying me a tablet. You know, the company bought me a tablet so I could start illustrating again. <laughs> it's really wonderful. I mean, it gives me a way to really capture the animals' personalities. And uh, I just, I'm loving it. You know, because when I looked at your um, illustrations on your website, I, my background is advertising also, more oh, on the so copy okay. side. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're, there was a really graphic element uh, in your design and execution, I thought. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it really works well, I think, with what you're trying to do. The Thank characters you. are friendly and, and nice. And I, and I recommend anyone who's listening to, to go to your website, and which is critterken.com. Isn't that how right. quick it is? That's pretty easy to remember. So yeah. you write, illustrate both for these then. Yeah, and I also, um, this is, uh, I spent 10 years in Japan, and I taught English that whole time, and I taught a lot of kids. And one of the things that I found about, I love teaching, first of all, but what I found was that if you can be as goofy and willing to put yourself out there as the kids, because, you know, you're asking kids to learn it, or anybody to learn a second language, you, know, you have to be to take a risk of looking foolish, right? So if you're willing to do that, then everybody has a good time, and people are much more likely to learn. So when I go to schools to read these stories, I take on the persona of Ms. Janaya. So to tell you a little bit about Ms. Janaya, she's this middle-aged lady who wears oversized overalls filled with poop bags and leashes and dog treats and tennis balls, which are, of course use tennis balls. So she's, she's, she's a bit of a goof, but that lets me be a bit of a goof, you know. So I get into these classrooms with the kids and I get to embody this person and I invite them to draw, to play, to make the sounds the dogs make. And that gives them the chance to really get into the stories. 
Well, that's great because I can relate to that. I mean, if, if you came in dressed formally as a stranger to a classroom, I mean, the reaction usually would be the kids stiffen right up and they sit yes. there. They either yes. fall asleep or yawn or something. But uh, you must really throw them off base when you come in. You really sound like most of the people I run into when I walk Max each day. So, And I'm always relaxed around those people. And yeah. speaking of teachers, I mean, uh, yeah. your website is really great. You got a section for teachers and called Critter Ken yeah. in the Classroom. And uh, you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Because you have three parts as far I would as. Because, um, you know, one of your questions, which I thought was so good, just so, so smart, was, you know, why animals? We've got people in the planet, and we've got all kinds of issues we can focus on. Why in the heck animals? And it's because. First of all, we're all on this together. You know, it's a mistake to think that human beings exist outside of their ecosystems, you know? We're tied to the ants and the fleas and the lions and the wolves and the rhinoceros. We're all tied. And if we destroy one species, we're destroying a part of ourselves, in my opinion, you know, because it's a web of life. So that's the one thing. But the other thing that I think is a lot more important than we're starting to see in schools is that children need to learn emotional intelligence as much as they need to learn intellectual acuity. So reading, writing, math, sure, but if they can't take those skills and and relate to other human beings, collaborate, find solutions to the problems we're facing on the planet, then we're in trouble, you know. So I think the animals, and it's been, of course, shown psychologically, too, that animals are great teachers. I mean, they help kids develop empathy, compassion, respect, and responsibility. You know, if I had not fed my dog and I didn't clean up after my dog when I was a kid, the dog would die, you know, and my parents made that very clear to me, this is your job. So that's what the goal of that piece of Critican is, and I'm very fortunate to be in partnership with Marty Keltz, and I don't know if anybody knows, or your listeners might know of him, but he was the person who produced the Magic School Bus for Scholastic. Oh, wow. Goosebumps and, yeah, Goosebumps and Indian in the Cupboard and Saddle Club, a whole bunch of stuff, you know. And he just has this amazing uh, vision and commitment to education and has all his life. So this side of it is, is, as you can probably tell, I'm very passionate about. (laughs) You sound it. Now, we had mentioned uh, IFAW, IFAB, before. Yes. Mm -hmm. Who you can collaborate with. But you also collaborate with two or three other groups, don't you? Yes, we did a anti-puppy mill campaign with the Canadian Federation of Humane Societies, which is sort of the governing organization for all their SPCAs and humane societies. And what we did is we, we ran a campaign so that one of the Critican PAC became uh, an ambassador to the Canadian Federation of Humane Societies. And through that program, we educate kids and their families about puppy mills. In other words, don't shop, adopt, you know, go to the shelter, do what you did, find a dog and recycle, you know. We also partner with the North Carolina Shelter Project, which it's a little complicated, but there are 82 shelters within North Carolina, and we visit them. We educate kids. We do readings there. We work with the head of the HSUS in North Carolina to promote education so that people understand that going to their shelter is a good thing and that they can have fun and make a difference. Their state director, what's her name? Is it- her name is Kim, K-I-M Album, A-L-B-O-U-M. She's that's, fantastic. That's She's right. Fantastic. I, we've been in contact with her as uh, perhaps <laughs> mm-hmm. a guest just next an month. Amazing person. And, really? Oh, uh, good. Yeah, no, she's yeah. fantastic. She's just yeah. so bright and, and so committed. And uh, one of the issues in North Carolina that uh, she wanted to talk about is the uh, Randolph County shelter that is 
returned a stipend that had been given to them so they wouldn't gas their shelter dogs and cats anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's going to be a no-kill shelter if I've got that correct. That would be good because the last I heard is that they had refused to be a no-kill shelter. Oh, and, Well, uh, you know, one of Kim's big campaigns, and she's just done a fabulous job, is moving away from gas chambers, which, of course, are are very inhumane, towards compassionate euthanasia, if it's necessary, you know. I mean, shelters are in a bad position. They have to take anything that comes in the door, you know. Sure. Sure, and that's and that's a uh, big challenge in uh, some areas in North Carolina. I understand. Yes. Yes. And And please talk to her about her anti-puppy mill campaign because she's just such a passionate and committed advocate for shelter animals. I'll do that. I'll do that because <laughs> anti-puppy mills or puppy mills are high on my list of something that yeah, uh, should be dissolved. Or, in fact, we had a guest late last year in December who he and an anti-puppy mill leader quit yelling at each other and found out they had a lot in common. Oh, and my. he changed his business from selling commercially bred puppies to, uh, to puppies that uh, come from shelters. That's fantastic. That's yeah. fantastic. That's a huge coup. It really is. Yeah, and it really is. And he believes it's a, a successful business model for him. And I, I enjoyed the conversation because it, it showed what people can do, even though they, you know, they have different objectives in life, but mm-hmm. finding that common ground and talking about it. Yes. And uh, so that happens when we do things like what what you're doing. You know, you talk on a subject, but I want to get back to it. And that's a question, mm-hmm. of course, I ask each of our guests. And with all the human misery and suffering in the world, how can you justify spending time, money, and resources on animals? Well, there are two or three things. First of all, um, I spent most of my career as an environmental journalist. And one of the people that I was fortunate enough to speak to was E.O. Wilson, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning biologist he talks about something called biophilia and what that means is that we're genetically programmed to need our connection to the planet and to animals and he he means that both psychologically you know but also physiologically he calls it the web of life and if we don't take care of that web of life then our support system is going to crash and burn and i believe that i mean you just you know all you have to do is look at is a simple cycle like you know the the worms aerate the soil and the plants so the plants can grow and then the animals eat the plants and we eat the animals and, you know, it all recycles, right? But the second thing is, as I said earlier, empathy and compassion need to be taught to our kids along with uh, reading, writing, and math. Without that empathy and compassion, they they don't care about the planet, they don't care about other people, and more importantly, they're afraid of other people, and, and that's a dangerous thing. So I... I think that animals are a perfect way to teach empathy and compassion, and moreover, it's fun. <laughs> I don't know about you, but, you know, I want education to become fun and entertaining. It doesn't have to be boring. and not yeah, boring, No, you're right. Fun is good. You know, if we could... Fun is good, and we yeah. learn by play. But, but what, I was, what I was going to say is, you know, our old models of education where we isolate our kids... You know, you go to school, and then you go out of school, and then you're no longer in class, right? And it's like never the, the two shall meet. Re- real life and, and school don't mix. But what we need to show our kids is that, that what they're learning in school is applicable to their real life, you know? And what better way to cross that line than with animals, you know? If what you learn in school you take home with you and you apply to the dogs and cats and people in your life, woohoo, Right? No, I, I, you're right on as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I think that particularly at the formative years in the, in the elementary oh, and yeah. middle school. Yes, yes. And the kids, wow. 
I wish it would be so much fun. In fact, you know, I'm hoping if anybody, any of your listeners are interested, give me a call because we do a lot of in-person readings, but we also do uh, visits to schools as far away as Pakistan using Google Hangouts and Skype classrooms. So we, you know, we just broadcast in and read. But one of the most fun things for me is I get up there and I say, how many of you? Now this is, you know, you can think first, second, maybe third graders, okay, but you start talking about sixth, seventh, eighth graders, right? Mm-hmm. But I say to these kids, sixth graders, I say, how many of you like to make noise? And it's like somebody let them out of prison. Oh, I do, I do, I do, you know. And, and, and okay, well, can you, I'm going to read you some lines that the dogs in my story repeat. Can you repeat them like you think a dog would, you know, repeat them? So, that, sure, you know, they all sit up, they're all watching, and I say, okay, so this first dog always says, wow, wow, wow. Imagine 57 kids, wow, wow, wow. And I, I say to them, you know, I can't hear you, you know, you don't sound like a dog to me. Whoa, it's just. And all of a sudden, you got them. You know, all you're doing is involving them in the story, and they love it, and they want to know more, and how can I help? And, ugh, I mean, you tell them having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> what age do you reach out to? What age groups? Well, you know, the, the thing that's so interesting about books are, are technically written for kids between the ages of 6 and 10. I have read to kids as young as 4, and with help, they get through it. But I just did a, a series of programs with the Endeavor Charter School in Raleigh, and I read to 8th graders. Now, the eighth graders, you don't, you know, you don't talk to them like this, you know, do you want to make noise? And do you want to, but you talk to them sure. about how could you write a story? What could we do? Maybe we could do a film. Maybe we could, you could write a screenplay. They're on board, boy. You know, they get it. It's just you take the story and you make it applicable to the age. But to answer your question, between 6 and 12. You know, if I'm a teacher or someone in the mm-hmm. audience, I want to learn more about Could or Can or mm-hmm. become involved with your organization, uh, where can I go? We go to Critican.com. And you can email me at msjanaya at critterkin.com. You can call me at the number on the website. We also have a wonderful PR person who can send you information and stuff like that. There are actual lessons on the website that you could use, that we've used and used successfully, but we'd be happy to help you plan too because that's part of our mission as well is just, you know, not only sell books and, but get this into the classroom so people can use it. Well, that sounds great. Again, the website is... Critterkin.com, and Critterkin is C-R-I-T-T-E-R-K-I-N. Critterkin.com, okay. Right. We're out of time, Jenna, and oh, thank you. Oh, shoot. Well, thank you continue so- then. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, you know, something comes up, and or just keep us posted in what you're doing. And if you have a something you think would be a great topic to discuss, just let us know. And, I'd love uh, to. And before you go, I want to say Max A. Pooch admires your work and all that you're doing, and asks me to tell you he gives you five big tail wagging wolves as one of his <laughs> favorite awesome animal advocates. <laughs> I look forward to meeting him in person and shaking his paw. Well, you may do that. Uh, we're thinking of moving. South and North Carolina and Tennessee are two target areas. So it's gorgeous here. I mean, you should stop by and just visit because it's beautiful. Just well, again, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you, Keith. We want to thank you, our listeners, for spending your valuable time with us. You're all fantastic, and we hope you tell your friends about awesome animal advocates. And a special thanks to Mark Winter, co-founder and executive producer of Pet Life Radio, and our sponsors for making this episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates possible. I'm Keith Sanderson, host and creator of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, saying thank you to all those animal advocates who work so hard on behalf of those who can't speak for themselves. Max A. Pooch gives them five big tail-wagging woofs. 
Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.